everyone. I'm Dr. Susie Green, founder and CEO of the Positivity Institute, and welcome to the Pioneers of Positive Education podcast series four, where I'll be chatting to those pioneers of positive education, those that have forged forward in their mission to create flourishing students, staff, and whole school communities. I'll be speaking to POSED pioneers from various schools around Australia over coming weeks to talk with them about their experiences and journeys in positive education. I hope you enjoy the show. Today, I'm speaking with Paul Belton and Emily Sayer from St. Paul's College in South Australia. Paul is the principal of St. Paul's and he's in his seventh year and he's had 27 years of senior leadership experience, including five as a CEO of a South Australian football club. He has a Bachelor of Education in Physical Education and an MBA. He's married with six children and has 13 grandchildren. (laughs) Emily has worked in Catholic education in South Australia since 1986 in a variety of school settings. She's always had a strong passion and commitment to the well-being of children. Her roles have included teacher, counsellor, assistant principal, head of primary, deputy principal and principal. In 2020, Emily was one of the drivers for implementing positive psychology at St Paul's College through a strong partnership with the Positivity Institute. Whilst Emily is no longer at St Paul's College, she continues to bring her passion for positive education and strong wellbeing initiatives to her work at St Monica's Parish School, Walkerville, South Australia. So welcome to the Pioneers in Positive Education podcast and welcome Paul Belton and Emily Sayer from St Paul's College in South Australia. Thank you. Hey. And uh, lovely to have you here with us today. And of course, as you're probably aware, here at the Positivity Institute, we've had the privilege and uh, the good fortune of working with a number of schools in South Australia and in particular Catholic schools. And uh, St Paul's has been uh, one of the schools we've been working with for a little while now. So I'm really uh, honoured that you've been able to join me today to talk a bit about some of the work that you've been doing. So I'm wondering, Paul, as the principal, would you start off by giving us a little bit of an intro to St Paul's College, a little bit about the school? Uh, Certainly, Susie, and uh, thanks for having us along today. St Paul's is about uh, 62, 63 years old. It was founded by the Christian Brothers in the inner northeast of Adelaide, although 62 years ago it was on the outer northeast of Adelaide. Now it's considered to be the inner northeast. We were originally set up to be a school that started at year five and went all the way through to year 12. And then about eight years ago, the school decided to begin its first ever reception class Emily and I joined the school together at the same time mm. when those young men were moved going into grade two. And uh, so they have now progressed and they're in year eight. So we are now a fully fledged reception to year 12 uh, school, about to launch into a whole new history of our school by becoming a co ed school next year. Uh, and our girls will uh, helping us form the new St. Paul's. We're not the old one with girls joining us, we're, we're a new college. Uh, and there'll be girls and have co-ed classes from reception through to year eight. Uh, we're a very multicultural school. I think there are, at last count, still 46 or seven different languages spoken in our fam- family homes. Very, very multicultural, and um, but just the most wonderful of places. So uh, our association with uh, the Positivity Institute really has just given us an opportunity to continue to develop what is our approach to education and to all these 
beautiful young gentleman that we have at this point in time who we're blessed to work with. Fantastic. And Emily, what about you? What uh, You started the same time as Paul, so um, can you tell us a little bit about your, your introduction to positive education? Certainly. In coming to St Paul's, I knew as head of primary was my vision to bring the primary school to completion and part of that I was um, invited to sit on the executive of the college by Paul to make sure that the um, primary voice was included in a lot of the decision making and how we were moving forward in our vision and living out our values. So in that I can remember sitting at an executive meeting one time and saying it's always a personal passion of mine is about well-being and the mental health of young people and it was really important. I, I was just struggling to find or see or bring to life a project that from reception from our little five-year-olds up to our 17, 18-year-olds and all our staff could really engage with. It really was a whole college influence and something that we could embed and live out across the college and also with our families and the wider community. And I could just see that positive education, positive psychology was one way to tie us all together with the language, with our actions. And it just worked so much hand in hand with who we were as a school, as a college and our values and what we believed in, that it would just, we hopefully would learn it and we would live it and teach it and embed it as Positivity Institute. We've got those great wisdom and bring it to life more and more in a more formal way in curriculum but also in looking after ourselves as a community and every member being included in that. Wow, that's fantastic. And I mean, in my experience over the last 10 or 12 years, there's often been a bit of a disconnect in what's happened in primary school. And, you know, in in many schools, there's some fantastic SEL, social and emotional learning programs. But once the the kids move into high school, it seems as if the the whole well-being literacy, if you like, sort of disappear. But it sounds like uh, you and Paul have worked really hard at making a really cohesive and uh, integrated journey for students from uh, reception right through to year 12. Yeah, and I think when we started the journey working particularly with Kate, and I've used that phrase before, it was about us really learning it and then we needed to live it and then we could teach it and then we would embed it. We certainly have engaged from reception all the way through high school and many specific wellbeing programs, but this gave a framework for it to sit within and gave us a common language that we would all understand and we could use. So whether you were, you know, five, we talked about particularly um, the character strengths, which was key to our work with Positivity Institute and bringing them to life and what do they mean to, you know, if you're a seven-year-old or if you're a 15-year-old, what are your character strengths, your values, and how do you bring them to life? And what about, Paul, with your leadership team when you first, uh, I guess, raised this idea and and Emily being on the leadership team, how did the rest of the the team respond? That's a good question because while we were, and as you would know, Susie, when um, you get a group of like-minded people together around an exec or a leadership table, it's very easy to sell something as good as um, positive education. Um, But then when you go out to the broader community in terms of your teaching Mm. community and your staff, you often wonder whether people would tend to think, oh, this is all a bit soft and squishy and a bit pie in the sky stuff and, uh, you know, and where do we ever fit all of this sort of thing into what it is that we're doing, which is a fairly high-stress role anyway. 
But we've been really, really pleased that from the very first time that your team presented to us that the staff had really embraced it and seemed very keen and eager to put that into context. When Emily and I first started and lots of the conversations we would have had, we thought that the school was always a lovely place and always really, really strong on its pastoral care of the students and, and the students with different sorts of needs, whether that be cultural or learning or whatever. But we also probably thought in our heart of hearts that the, the school just needs to have a little bit more belief in themselves that St Paul's is a really, really good place. And our lads, it doesn't matter where they've come from, are capable of achieving anything. And so culturally what we wanted to do was just to let everybody recognise the wonderful stuff that happens at St Paul's, how good the community is, how good the school it is, and let's just be proud of who we are. And so the platform of positive education, in retrospect, doesn't seem at all surprising that the staff embraced it right from the beginning. No. And Paul, as I sort of alluded to earlier on, South Australia has been in many ways leading the way in positive education. And I guess I'm curious around whether that may have been with Marty Seligman having been thinker in residence down in uh, South Australia for a period of time too. But, you know, there are more and more schools coming on board, would you say, or regardless of whether they use the term and positive education. And I am finding now that some schools are, I guess, determining that they may not need to use that term, but they're still looking and utilising the science, looking to and utilising the underpinning science of wellbeing. Would that be your experience? Absolutely. You said earlier that you've worked a fair bit with a lot of the Catholic schools around Adelaide and around South Australia. And and when you come from that strong uh, spiritual base, this goes hand in hand with what we're meant Mm -hmm. to believe and that Mm -hmm. Everybody's created equally uh, and everybody needs to treat each other respectfully and fairly. And so the very basis of all things um, in positive education absolutely supports that. And where this is my own theory now, Susie, not anyone that we've discussed about <laughs> at school, but, but with the diminishing amount of commitment to people's religions, if you like, and you know maybe perhaps church attendance and things like that, I've often wondered why the GoFundMe pages work so well and these big telephones work so well and uh, when they're raising money for international crises or whatever. And I think there's an inherent desire in everybody to try and belong and and there's less belonging uh, happening because of a lot of breakdown of other community Mm. groups. And I just think this positive education and the work that you're doing, which is so wonderful, just bridges so many of those gaps. And so I think schools are well and truly embracing it and from a Catholic school point of view it just enables us to continue to to be able to link all the different bits and pieces together and put it all on the same page. Yeah and and integrated with your school ethos as as you said before but I think having that framework and that language is uh, again one of the 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 powerful benefits of a a positive approach. And so Emily would you mind just walking us through what you've actually done since you started on the POSED journey? Well, I can remember sitting in at the executive and they didn't stop me, so I kept talking. <laughs> and then even after just that initial meeting, there was a sense of, yes, we need to do something, can research it and find out. So from there, spent a fair bit of time researching what were the options and talking to other schools who you had engaged with and other opportunities that were available. And then we got a clear sense after I actually spoke with you and you, we had a conversation about what what is it that we were hoping to do and achieve. So from there, we made our formal arrangement, our relationship began in a formal sense. 
And from there, what I loved about when we first started, and of course this is set within the context of having COVID come amongst us and changing our way of life forever, that we started with everyone. And that very first day we all staff members from, we invited everyone from our ground staff to all our ESOs to counsellors, everyone was invited to be part of this journey. We wanted everyone to be included. So from there, we got a sense of who we wanted to be. Um, We delved into our character strengths. And from there, we developed, we called the guiding group. There were three of us on that. There was myself and um, someone representing primary and one from the senior school as well. And we also had what we would like to call our champion group. I think um, Kate kept calling us champion, so we, we decided we'll keep that. <laughs> and, yeah, who became our champion group and we slowly um, started putting plans forward to what it would actually look like at St Paul's to move forward. You know, we schools are great on policies and procedures and we've got to tick boxes for compliance and I'll probably get a chance to talk a bit about it. That's something that with COVID happening and people in and out, it made it challenging last year, mm-hmm. but certainly getting people back on track. But having people in that champion group was pivotal of making sure that the journey kept going with staff and then re-engaging with the wonderful people from Positivity Institute to come over or work with us um, via Zoom as well. It taught us to be creative. And so where they're up to now is at the end of last term, there was another day of sharing and then starting to move forward of actually having some concrete plans put in place about, well, what's that going to look like for working with our students in the curriculum and where is it already embedded within um, ACARA and then where else well, how else can we bring this to life so it does become embedded in our culture in our community in our daily lives mm. so we started back um it was the beginning of 2020 wasn't it before it was, yeah. COVID really hit so we were really fortunate to to get the, the at least the first two days the beginning of the year and then the final third day of our foundations of posed um, again, very fortunate to slip that in the end of last year, wasn't it? Yeah, we were. But as you've you've said, we, we had to be a little bit psychologically flexible um, and uh, and uh, deliver this uh, with the following two days. One one day we managed, I think, to do the POS leadership first day in person, and then this last one had to be a little bit flexible around the delivery virtually. Any comments on that? Because a number of schools that I guess that I've spoken to and that we've worked with have been hesitant to go down the virtual path. And understandably, I guess, particularly as educators, when for particularly those schools that have had to pivot very quickly and do virtual delivery to students. And of course, you can't beat being there in person with someone. But my, my concern right now is that we can't keep delaying things, you know, and, and, and if this continues, and it may not be the last pandemic, we need to be able to to progress things, don't we? Although, what I'd be just keen to hear what your comments were. I mean, I, I clearly do believe, I don't think it's quite the same as being there in person, particularly when you've got all the staff there together. But how did that blend go of, because uh, Kate and the team came in virtually, but you had, particularly because you've been doing this for a little while, you had some people on the ground, I'm assuming including yourself, Emily and Paul, that uh, were able to help facilitate the delivery. My, my opinion, Susie, is that it would be really difficult if you were starting from scratch virtually. Mm-hmm. We were blessed to have the face-to-face to start with and uh, and then the people delivering can read the room. They can, they're can they so good at what they're doing yeah. and they pick up a, a, a vibe of what 
a sort of theme that has worked well and then they just run with it and uh, and then away you go. I think yeah. if you're starting from scratch where, you know, like Kate's at just at the end of a screen and, um, you know, being able to see nobody because they're, the staff are all in a big room, you can't, you wouldn't be able to focus on anybody. So I think if you were starting from scratch virtually, I think you'd have to um, uh, well and truly rely on the your champions at the mm, other end absolutely. Uh, to do that interpreting for you, you know, and they would need to be quite literally on their feet uh, walking around and making sure that they're generating the enthusiasm that somehow or other can be relayed back over the computer. I think that's kind of like the only way it would work because that, like anything, um, Susie, the first session or the first day or the first interaction has got to be almost the most important one. Absolutely, isn't it? Because uh, then people hopefully become more engaged and inspired to want to learn more and go down that path. But it's a tricky one, isn't it? But I think we were very fortunate in terms of the timing. And you've said that you're now um, at a point where you are revisiting curriculum and that explicit teaching of of wellbeing science is really important. I'm really curious to know, what about for the staff themselves? Because, again, my experience has been they all sort of nod and they get it and they realise, you know, it's one of the most stressful occupations and how they do need to invest in their own well-being. But when it comes to actually doing it, it's really challenging for people to carve out that time or put boundaries up. How have your staff been going with the live it part of the well-being? I've sort of got to put my hand up. I'm probably not your role model for that <laughs> myself. One of the, after one of our um, staff-led days, we asked them to actually, because if you write it, you're more likely to do it. Yes. So we actually asked them, Tom, who was on the working group, the leadership group of it, asked everyone to commit to one action that they would undertake to look after themselves for their own well-being within that and then give feedback just randomly to others, not in a formal sense and see. So I'm not sure if they've checked in lately with that and how that action's gone. Mm-hmm. But can I just be a bit cheap? When we were talking about the starting up, the yes. one thing I would take back from it is the champion group. Yes. I think having them so empowered and knowledgeable is probably knowing that this is what we've got to move forward with probably more li- more than likely. Yeah. In hindsight, I think if we have more chances for just the champions to spend time with um, Kate on right. online and yeah. getting us really really empowered and skilled in the language. We, like we know it, yeah. but having that connection a bit more frequently, I think if I had my time again, I would do that. So when we are faced with those, when it's a whole staff one, then yeah. we could utilise the skills and capabilities on ground with those people who are in the room with everyone. And did the champions group, were they invited to become champions after day one or was it prior to day one? No, it was after. Um, Paul put out an email to invite people who would like to be part of that group. So it was by invitation. And we had a range from ESOs, academic and administration, to primary, to secondary. Um, and the leadership team were part of it too. So as always happens when people change schools and leave and things like that. So it's just been revisited as well. Those people that want to come on board that um, weren't there when we originally started and those that felt that at the moment they just needed to step back for a bit then they would do that too so it's that constant mm-hmm. revisiting and making sure you really do have people that have got um, that are in the space that they think they can contribute the best 
that's a really important point, Emily. And I think, as you've said, it's good to to keep things fresh is to provide the opportunity for people to step on and step off that uh, champion group. And it's not as if, you know, you only do this for one or two years and then we, you know, <laughs> we wipe our hands and we're finished. It's a work in progress, isn't it? And we've got to keep it fresh. And people, we know scientifically, we habituate to things. So, we need to keep things fresh to keep people engaged and we need as much creativity and energy from people on that group. Yeah. What about you, Paul? What would you say uh, have been your greatest learnings or you could say more broadly the school's greatest learnings that you might be able to pass on some of that wisdom to schools that they're at the beginning of their journey? The greatest learning for me personally was that it wasn't hard to sell. <laughs> um, and to get people on board. When Emily just said we, I, we put out an email asking who who was interested following the first day, we mm. would have had a third of the staff respond. Um, it was too many. Um, yeah. to, it would have been too big a group. So the, the learnings from that. The other significant one is, and you touched on it a bit, Susie, yourself, in terms of the teachers themselves, they could think uh, that this is just another curriculum that's being forced mm. on them uh, where am I going to get time to prepare this or whatever and so we're fortunate because most schools would have well-being programs or you know a pastoral care system of support across either horizontally or vertically and so that if it became a difficult sell if you like in terms of it being a standalone curriculum mm. well then go about it in a different way and say this this is who we are anyway as educators we are meant to be about enabling every person that we work with to fulfil their uh, potential and their God-given capability. So if that's what we're meant to be doing, well, then it's easy enough to embrace. But when you sit down then and you talk about where and how we can embed it and yeah. how what, alongside of what we already do, there's almost like then, or there could be, again, we didn't necessarily need this, but a, a sigh of relief. Oh, I get it. It's just a matter of formalising what we do and then using it in our language mm. and in our day-to-day practices in terms of how we live it. So rather than just being naturally who we are as people, there's some names to it yes. and there's some actions mm. to it. So the fear of having the learning for me is to has been that we can embed this in a school without the teachers or anybody thinking there's just something extra that's being forced <laughs> on them in an already crowded curriculum. Exactly. And is there any story that might uh, highlight the impact or the experience that staff or students have had by adopting this type of approach? I think the one thing that comes strongly and keeps coming back to me was about the character strengths. Mm-hmm. And we would use them in the primary space particularly have visuals of them in the little ones' classrooms and in the older ones still have the cute pictures too with the different values that um, you would identify with. And the older ones would undertake some um, analysis of what they thought as well. But what I noticed over time was the children themselves were using the language and seeing new insights into themselves. They're saying, mm-hmm. oh, I was really, you know, I persevered with that or I was gee, I was curious with that. And then they would see it in their friends and then their classes and the teachers would use that language. You know, I'm looking for the skills of being organised now or being resilient or those. So the language kept coming out more. But when you heard the um, children actually naming their values and their character strengths, you found it really um, quite exciting. I had a smile on my face a few times and I'd hear them being yelled out across a classroom or in the playground with things about um, being persistent and 
people having great sense of humours and things yeah. like that. So, yeah, it was lovely. It really helps from a strength spotting perspective too, doesn't it? I, I still remember one of our associates who is a teacher and she was a student of mine at Sydney Uni many years ago and I still recall her telling me when she ran a strength uh, intervention with her class of year five or year six and she said uh, they'd finished the intervention and then a new boy started in the class and after a few weeks she said to the class, okay, so you know Johnny's been here for a few weeks now. What, what do you think his top strengths are? Oh, kindness, Miss. I forgot my lunch and he shared his lunch with me last week. Oh. What else was it? Oh, bravery, Miss. He's come to a new school and, and social intelligence. He's made friends really easily. And she said it was just so amazing. They just sort of, it was a strength shower over this young young boy. And uh, it was just so lovely to see and uh, so genuinely um, delivered. That's gorgeous. Yeah. Susie, I'd be keen to share something with you. Yes. Our association started in 2019 and uh, when we first started and Emily first made contact and we thought we would try and uh, begin a relationship uh, with you. And at that point in time and in the time that uh, we've been together at St Paul's, um, each year we kind of like had a theme for the year from when we first started and there were things like that we would have the year of trying devoted to connecting community more because of our multicultural families and things like that. And then we had the year of our 60th anniversary where it was about celebrating our pride. And, and then we're sitting down towards the end of 2019 and thought, no, wouldn't it be good to use some of the character strengths that we mm-hmm. talk about and we were launching into and working with you about? So instead of having the year of uh, 2020, we decided to simply say, no, 2020 is all about strength, resilience and growth. Oh, didn't we need it? <laughs> so we chose those three words at the end of 2019 and then come March, whack. And you, you were uh, given a great opportunity to put it into practice. <laughs> and it just became embedded in all of our language, you right. know, all of our struggles and, and on every piece of paper that we sent home or every email uh-huh. we sent home, we were talking about the strength and resilience and the growth that can come out of the adversity that was 2020. So that was quite mm-hmm. accidental almost, you know, but or fortuitous or divine intervention, whatever you want to call it. But at the end of 2019, we chose that as our theme and uh, and it helped us enormously mm-hmm. and helped our community enormously last year to get through the whole year. So uh, it had a whole community, not just, a, you know, the teachers or the students, but it had a uh, it had an impact on our whole community, which uh, which was wonderful. So the parents have been quite embracing as well? Yes, I think so, you know, and I think the fact that um, they would have understood that this is where that it was coming from and then to, to be able to live it through uh, the pandemic was uh, probably not a bad time in order to say we know that there are some character strengths that can help us get us through the tough time. Yes, and I mean, we still have a scenario right now where children are teaching their parents <laughs> some of these skills and strategies because parents don't, they haven't had the open when up. Well, I certainly didn't learn it at school. I'm sure you <laughs> didn't either. But um, I am hearing lots of stories and often in our corporate work, I, I'll, I'll make the comment that, you know, uh, one of the executives will say, oh, my five-year-old came home last week and taught me and my wife about growth mindset. <laughs> so, um, So there's certainly a ripple effect back to families, isn't there? Absolutely. When we started putting out on our Facebook page and our learnings and what we've been doing, not only as a staff but in the school, and I can remember one young man who'd been with us since he started in reception, always struggled to find his voice, very intelligent, very shy though, and struggled to find his voice. And mum noticed the more that we were doing this language and talking about his character strengths, the more confident 
he was becoming and he did get diagnosed with a speech impediment as well, which set him back a bit, but he kept coming back with it and the language, we keep revisiting it with him. And mum was saying, I remember one of my conversations with her, she said, oh, he's living it out. He really is. Oh, amazing, isn't it? When you've been you know, in this space for a while, as I have, and now you both have through your journeys, you, you start to gather some of these stories and these experiences and some of them you never forget when they happen. So I know we haven't got much time left now. And Emily, uh, we are aware that uh, very sadly you're, you're leaving St Paul soon, but this is something that we do see. I've seen again over the last 10, 12 years that I've been in this field is that people do move on to other schools and they they do create this uh, contagion effect, if you like, of positive ed or wellbeing science. But what do you think uh, the future is of POSED or what would you be telling me, do you think, in five years' time that's happening, whether it's at St Paul's? Paul, for you, or whether it's uh, at your new uh, school or venture, Emily? For me, I, I still have such wonderful connections with St. Paul's. I'm sure I will keep seeing it. And where I live is amongst areas where some of the um, old scholars are, and they would still talk to me about St. Paul's and they would talk so positively about it and their connections and relationships. So I know that will keep going, and I know the staff there will do it. They're already getting a hint that this is um, at my new school at St Monica's, that this is something that's very passionate for me and I'll be bringing something in more um, formalised so we have that common understanding and common belief about where we're putting um, positivity education in our school and our wellbeing and looking after ourselves as adults and also the children in our care. So stay tuned. I they haven't run off scared yet. No, they're very lucky to have you. And what about you, Paul? You'll have uh, the co-eds uh, will be fully integrated and what else might be happening, do you think? Hopefully it will be by in five years' time. The You know, the young women who join us as young year eights will be the graduating class of uh, whatever that may be in 2026 or yes. whatever. And so I think uh, it will be for... For the whole community and particularly for the girls who will start off at, you know, in a smaller percentage, obviously, as the way it goes and then grow into it, it'll be a wonderful basis for us to enable to set the school up in such a way that by using our character strengths, we're creating an environment that it's all simply based around respectful relationships and um, and by using our character strengths, be able to bring the very best out in each other. So in five years' time, I think we'll be able to sit there and hopefully look at the the graduates of the school, whether they be male or female, we'll be going out as young people who are well and truly adept in believing in themselves, they have a strong values base and uh, and they have that knowledge that they are uh, unique and valued as a human being, And but they understand their character strengths and how to use them in order to be not only successful themselves, but to be able to share that and help other people uh, be successful as well. So... Uh, I think in the context of our diverse setting and uh, and as it gets even more diverse by becoming co-ed, uh, this is just such a wonderful basis to help all of these young people now grow into, uh, you know, fully rounded and human beings who are, you know, well and truly capable of bringing the best out in themselves and other people. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, really go out there and make a difference in the world and it's much needed. So the skills and the experiences they have at St Paul's will uh, certainly put them in good stead. So just finally, do either of you have any recommendations, whether that be a book, a podcast, or any resources that you found particularly helpful through your POSED journey? Certainly, I have listened to a couple of your podcasts, and as I 
last term, as Paul was saying, I was on a at another school. It was a long drive, so I was listening to a variety. Brené Brown's, and um, you got a couple of uh, morning trips with me. So oh, <laughs> and only one I personally is Hugh Van Kylenberg's The Resilience Project, which yep. works beautifully with what your institute is about too, yep. about that gratitude and empathy and being mindful, taking that moment to be still and just take care of yourself and be grateful for the things that you do have in life. It was um, certainly had a big impact on me with all of um, that. And and the character strengths, if people haven't undertaken the character strengths for a while, the um, inventory again, I'd recommend that. It's good to tap in every few years just to see where you're sitting with that in your own life. Absolutely. And if anyone um, would like to contact us, we have, I think, probably nearly two pages of recommended uh, resources around strengths as well. I'll just uh, put it on our Facebook page as well. What about you, Paul? No, I tend to agree with Emily and Emily gave me a copy of Hugh's book. So that was lovely. And I'm not a very good reader. I'm much more into listening to podcasts and listening to things rather than reading them. But uh, I read the book in the space of a couple of days. So uh, given who we are and the uh, diverse community that we have acknowledging people's differences and being grateful for, as I'm sure the wonderful people are who have come to us from all over the world and particularly grateful for the opportunity to go to school that maybe their parents uh, hadn't had. So uh, I can listen to anything that talks about positivity. (laughs) uh, There's not one article that I have read that I haven't thought, wow, you can take something from it. But I also believe that the more we acknowledge and are prepared to acknowledge the character strengths of other people. We've become a culture that unless you're, I don't know, unless you're playing a game or something or other, you're actively involved with other people, we almost feel embarrassed to compliment each other. And I I probably think more so from the male point of view rather than the female point of view. So uh, I think the whole idea of being able to recognise and be given the opportunity to comment on someone else's strengths and to say, hey, you are good at this and without boys looking at each other saying, what do you want about? Like, you know, you know, well, it's enabling us to break all those stereotypical barriers. Absolutely. And I was really fortunate to hear a, a wonderful managing director of an Australian company a few months ago. And, and in fact, he got a few raised eyebrows from some of the other uh, senior executives in the room, but I thought he was just so far ahead when I asked, does anyone do anything, you know, that sounds anything like what I'm talking about? And uh, this MD said, Susie, for the last few years, every morning, I send a text or an email to five people in my company. So it's quite a large company, lots of staff. And he said either to express my gratitude or just to check in and see how they're traveling. And he said, I've had such wonderful feedback from people and it's really helped build positive relationships with people in my company and I thought wow he's he's on to it <laughs> you know yeah. people really appreciate that feedback don't they Absolutely. yeah well thank you so much for joining me today and congratulations on the wonderful work that you're doing and uh, inspiring through this podcast interview and and the work that you do hopefully many other schools uh, to take this type of approach our pleasure. Thank you for all your support through St Paul's and um, others too, particularly the staff. It's been good. Yeah, and uh, yes, thank you to the team from the Positivity Institute, Kate and uh, Wendy, and I think James was there as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but thanks to, to my team as well, and thanks for the, the privilege of working with you, and best wishes for the future, both of you. Thank you very thanks, much, Susie. Thank you so much for listening to the Pioneers of Positive Education podcast series four. 
If you're enjoying the series and you're a school leader who wants to take a strategic and sustainable approach to POSED, contact us at info at thepositivityinstitute.com.au to find out how we might work with you and your school. In the meantime, you might like to check out my new podcast, The Positivity Prescription, available on iTunes and Spotify. And don't forget to sign up for our free e-news at the Positivity Institute website, where you'll be kept in the loop for all things positive. Bye for now.